Well, hello there. Hello there. I greet you with Jesus' joy. What a blessed privilege it is for us to gather, to be able to have uh, some insights as far as the word of God is concerned. And as we continue uh, this series of lessons as far as um, development for disciples of Jesus Christ, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we we want to focus on um, living uh, holy, and um, uh, I want to call your attention to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7. Hopefully and prayerfully, I'll be able to get all this done, but as I was making preparation, I may have to divide this into two parts, and if so, uh, then we'll let that be. Um, um, but before we get started, I want us to, if we could, let's have a word of prayer so we can center ourselves on what it is that the Lord wants to do at this particular moment. God, we come and we thank you for the sovereignty of your, your power, for the grace you have bestowed upon us to be able to gather uh, one more time. And as we uh, come to this moment, uh, God, we are challenged by your word to become more like thee. So, Lord, if you would, in your own sovereignty and in your own grace and mercy, um, give us ears to hear what your spirit would have for us to know and give us all the ability to apply what we what we gather and glean as far as our time together is concerned so that ultimately uh, you'll be glorified through our lives and that someone, because they see us, we want to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So, Lord, uh, right now, you, the master teacher, show up and teach us your precepts and let your word be a lamp to our feet and a light unto our pathway. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. As we prepare to engage in this time of conversation. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through chapter 5, verse 7. This is a rather long um, section of scripture to cover. And like I said, uh, it is very possible that we may have to break this up into two parts. And so uh, what I want to do is to kind of center our, our minds and our spirits on the word of God as I read that for you uh, at this moment. So um, let's go to Ephesians chapter four. And it reads like this. For this, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to, the, to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught him 
as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, put away, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Chapter five, verse one, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetousness man, covet, covet, covetousness man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers in them. We got a lot to cover. We got a lot to cover. Um, and the reason that this is a lot to cover is because when we talk about trying to live holy lives that for a lot of people inside and outside of the church, uh, what comes to mind is someone who tends to be rather self-righteous, someone who tends to be absolved from the problems of the world, someone who is detached or disconnected from the culture and only talk about spiritual and heavenly things. In fact, whenever we think about someone being holy, we see this person who has a very serious disposition, a sullen countenance, 
Uh, they look rather grim and they don't look too happy. I'm here to let you know that living a holy life is really living a fulfilled life, living a holistic life. Yet in living that holistic life, there are some things that we as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, are called to connect with and to partake in. There are some attitudinal shifts. There are some behavioral modifications we must make. Uh, there's some shift in our language, uh, in our deportment, uh, how we interact with people, how we treat our bodies. All of that is brought under the umbrella of living a holy life. And so Paul lays out in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through chapter 5, verse 7, how we as followers of Jesus Christ, and he's talking to the Gentiles, ought to be different from the culture. Paul is talking to the Gentiles, how they ought to be different from other Gentiles. And I want to be very intentional as we slow walk uh, this particular uh, pericope uh, that has been shared as far as this moment is concerned, so that ultimately um, we can become what God will have for us to be. So uh, as we prepare to uh, delve in, uh, let's see as far this, as far as this unpacking is concerned, how the Lord wants to work this thing and how the Lord wants to flow. So let's look at, of course, starting at verse uh, 17. And as we uh, walk this, it is my hope and prayer that you will be blessed as far as that is concerned. He says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk, circle the word walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. In verse 18, having their understanding uh, darkened because being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Paul is... Um, uh, dealing with us as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, maturing, growing. That word walk um, basically means lifestyle. Okay, so it is more than us just moving our legs. It is a lifestyle. Okay, so the Ephesians um, who were Gentiles were not to do what the other Gentiles did, implying that as they once had walked, the Gentiles walked in basically uselessness of their thinking. Um, there is nothing that the Gentiles do as far as their lifestyle is concerned that compels one to appreciate that they have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The, the unbelieving Gentiles um, failed to attain the true purpose of mind, and that is basically to receive God's word that will change their conduct. And since 
their minds cannot receive the revelation of God because they're not in relationship with God. They're considered to be ignorant. They're considered to be darkened as far as walking in darkness. And that is because of two things. Number one, they're ignorant. And number two, they're blind in their hearts. Now, it's interesting to note, how can you be blind in your heart? Uh, the heart was considered to be the seat of emotion. So how can you be blind in your emotions very easily? Um, you can live such a way that when the word of God comes to you, that basically you dismiss it. Okay. When the word of God comes to you, you really have no need for it. So this is an interesting place for the Gentiles to be because Paul, as he continues to drill down, is really describing the unfortunate state of people who do not believe in Jesus Christ versus those who are believers in Jesus Christ. And Paul is adamant that those of us who are believers can no longer live the way we used to live because the way we used to live is totally contradictory to what God would have for us to do. Now, I know that, you know, when people get saved, you know, uh, we have to understand that they are a work in progress. We all are a work in progress. But one of the things that I want to impress upon you is that we should be what? Maturing, growing, becoming, shifting as far as our understanding, our behaviors, which impacts our lifestyle to look more like Christ and less like the culture. All right. Paul is very intentional about drilling down to the Gentile Christians how unbelievers don't have understanding. Whereas those of us who are believers have the light of Christ and we have the wisdom of God. And if we have the light of Christ and the wisdom of God, our lifestyle, our language ought to reflect such. Unbelievers are separated from a life in God, whereas those of us who are believers have life in God. And, and, and here's what I want to press upon you. When a person's heart has been hardened, they cannot, they cannot respond to God. All right. When a person's heart has been hardened, they cannot, hear me well, respond to God. All right. So Paul continues to drill down in verse 19, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now that 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 word that word lewd basically deals with a sense of perverted sensuality and sexuality. All right. So let's let's unpack this. Paul is trying to get us to understand that the unbeliever 
he's dealing with unbelievers now, do not have sensitivity. They do not care about their state of lostness. They are in a degenerate condition. And such people don't even care about the idea of shame for how their lifestyle is totally contrary to a life in God. Okay. Now I want to unpack this and kind of give you what is driving Paul's thinking as far as writing this particular, um, this particular sentence. Paul wants us to understand that those Gentiles, those unbelievers live within their own personal standards, their own social standard. They, they did not care about a life in God through Jesus Christ. And so what wind up happening is, is that they wind up doing whatever felt good to them, doing whatever they wanted to do. Uh, Self-gratification was the law of the land. They were engaging in all types of behaviors that basically will cause God to shake his head. All right. So really what 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 Paul wants them wants us to understand that um, the next logical step for a person who does not have a conscience, for a person who has not uh, accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, for a person who is not willing to be led by God is that they have given themselves over to lewd behavior, low moral standards, engaging in every kind of sin, just basically decadence. And of course, they would engage in extreme selfishness, greediness, uh, not care about anyone else. It, they were only concerned about themselves. Me, 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 I, I, I. So individualistic. And interestingly, and interestingly, in today's culture, in today's culture, that is what is the driving apparatus of where we find ourselves. In today's culture, and I would even dare say, unfortunately, it's being perpetuated in the church. We have become so individualistic focused until we lose what the sight of the kingdom is all about. Now, Paul seems like he's really going in, doesn't it? I mean, really, really going off <laughs> on, on, on these uh, Ephesians. But you got to understand what was going on at the time. And I'm going to equate that to where we are. Because in their culture, they used to worship um, idol gods or gods of the Greek pantheon. Um, they used to worship idol gods. And particularly in Ephesus, there was a temple to the goddess Artemis or in Roman um, uh, mythology, Diana. All right. And uh, Artemis for the Greeks was the god of fertility for the women and for animals and for nature. And 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 these Gentiles 
used to engage in human sacrifices to Artemis. And they would engage in these sacrifices, particularly human sacrifices, uh, because they believe that Artemis would help them to be fertile, that Artemis would help them as far as their crops were concerned. Now, this is where Paul is really trying to drill down and help them to understand, hey, you can't be flowing like this. Artemis was portrayed as the, quote, earth mother that had a whole lot of breasts. Okay. Um, uh, it, it, it was kind of weird. She had a whole lot of breasts, not, not, not just two, a whole lot. Okay. She had a temple. She had a temple. And, and, and in that temple, it was some weird stuff that would take place. Uh, in that temple, they had priests that were eunuchs, they had young virgins. They even had temple prostitutes. All right. Now, watch this. Once a month, every year, was devoted to ceremonies honoring Artemis. Uh, they used to have a carnival, carnival atmosphere. They had concerts and feasts and athletic games and plays and created opportunities for immorality, drunkenness, and sensuality. Uh, sounds kind of interesting. Sounds almost like a Fat Tuesday here in the United States with, quote, American Christianity. Isn't it interesting that on Fat Tuesday, uh, people are, quote, allowed to do whatever they feel like doing then on Ash Wednesday to have the imposition of ashes on their head and they start the season of Lent with repentance for doing whatever they felt like doing on Fat Tuesday. Doesn't that kind of sound like what they were doing back in the time of the Gentile believers at Ephesus? So for the Jew, they did not ever go to the temple of Artemis and they were not to partake in those practices. Okay. All right. So this, this, this is a very interesting place, a very interesting moment uh, to be as far as those Gentile Christians were concerned. Now let's continue to press our way because I think that um, we're on to some good stuff. All right. Because Paul wants them to understand Paul wants them to understand that the Gentiles went wrong because their hearts and minds were rebellious against God. They were darkened, darkened minds and darkened behaviors. All right. So understand that a darkened mind and a darkened heart produces a darkened behavior. All right. And like in our own world, the culture back then created this backdrop for Paul. And, and, and Paul was writing against the sexual immorality that was rampant, the craziness in political offices, the violence and cruelty that was commonplace, the arts that featured lewdness and suggested sexual immorality. 
and and it was a howling moral wasteland. And here Paul is writing this text. Here's what I want you to understand. Sin can be like a narcotic or a drug that has impact on people and culture. Feels good for a moment, but then it begins to break us down and it begins to deaden what is right, ethical, and moral in our lives. And God shines his love on us. And here's, if you don't get anything else today, here's what I want to impress upon you. Don't let the culture define your moral standards. Don't let the culture, just cause stuff is legal, doesn't mean that it is holy. Don't let the culture define your moral standards. Help keep the church the place where morality should be uplifted. And all of us that are watching this video, we need to do what we can to help our family be a place where we lift up high standards of living. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can see right now that I'm not going to be able to finish this. I'm going to try to get through verse 20 because it's a lot of good stuff that I'm dropping on you all. So um, as we go to verse 20 through 24, and I'll stop with that for today, um, uh, let's drill down. Paul writes, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. I want you to highlight verse 22, where you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I want you to circle the spirit of your mind. And then verse 24, where you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Highlight verse 24. Highlight verse 24. Okay. All right. Check this out. Paul wants us to understand that as a believer, as a believer, our minds are no longer darkened. And our lives are no longer separated from God. That our hearts are no longer like stone and impure. All right? But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him, that have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus Christ. Paul is trying to let us know, you know who Jesus Christ is. You were taught about him. You've heard him. And the teaching and learning is in accordance with the truth of God because what? Jesus is the truth. Okay? And so really what Paul is saying is that we as believers are called to take off the old person, the old conduct, conduct uh, take off our sins and put on the new person. 
All right. So Paul is saying three things are happening. Number one, our minds are being made new. All right. You've heard about Jesus. He has entered your thinking, your attitude. You were taught to be renewed in the spirit of mind. Your heart is being made new. Put off the old, put on the new. Your behavior is being made new, that we are called to clothe ourselves in the likeness and the righteousness and the holiness of our God. All right. Okay. Now, Paul, interestingly, when he talks about you have heard him, is really in referring to you've heard Christ, you've taught by Christ. Um, um, he is wanting us to understand that all of that is part of the salvific work of God through Jesus Christ. Okay. And it is this truth that ultimately brings salvation to us all. All right. Continue to walk with me. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. Paul wants them and us to understand that while believers are in darkness, while believers are caught up in their own sinful passions, that we as um, the unbelievers are rather caught up in their own darkness and sinful passions, we as believers were taught a new, different, positive manner of living. Put off the old, put on the new. A person enslaved to sin, a person that is bound to the culture, a person without hope lives differently than those of us who have been freed from sin, who are no longer compelled by the culture, and who have the hope of Christ. Now, don't get it twisted. Those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior still can sin. We're susceptible to temptations and, and the evils of sinful nature. And so what Paul is saying is that we got to be intentional about forsaking that lifestyle. That we got to be intentional about not identifying with our sinful past and living as a new person. And you all, this requires two things. Number one, allowing for the spirit to do work on you and in you. And number two, being intentional about not wanting to do that stuff. Okay. A believer has to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by what? Sinful, deceitful desires. Our lust is deceitful because they make you think you're going to feel good, but fail to provide that feeling. It brings really a weight to our lives. All right. Now, let me continue to press, press this case. 
because our old selves have been corrupted by our lustful desires. Um, it can be like a cancer. It can impact the whole body. As a person takes off like your dirty clothes, um, we're called to take off our filthy selves and put on the newness of Christ. How does that happen? Here it is. Through repentance. Through repentance. And this putting off is a once and for all decision when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. This putting off takes place at conversion and we got to continue to drive out the remaining parts day by day. Here it is. Repentance. If you don't get anything else today, get this. Repentance is a change of moral direction. It is a dramatic reversal of the direction of our soul. It's dramatic. It, 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 it ain't, it, it ain't uh, easy. It is dramatic. It is a shift. All right. Um, and, 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 here's, and here's what I want you to understand. And it's a, it's, it's a, a, a shift that we struggle with. If you ain't struggling, there may not be a shift. If you say that you've been born again and you continue to do whatever you feel like doing and you ain't struggling, you may not be saved. Yep, I said it. I said it. Yeah, you you may not be. You may not be saved. Yeah, I, I know. I know you. You know, we, we live in a culture and a time where folks don't like to be told what they are and what they're not. But you may not be saved. Let's look at 23 and 24. And we're going to we're going to close. We're going to close on on this. We're going to close on this. We are being renewed in the spirit of our mind. We're putting on the new person, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. As a believer, as a born again disciple of Jesus Christ, our minds are being made new. We're getting a new attitude, new behavior, new thinking, new talking. Uh, our understanding has now been brought into the marvelous lights. And believers are new people in Christ and we are, are expected to not live like the Gentiles live. Okay? We can't do whatever feels good to us. Can't be going to the temple of Artemis. Uh, we can't engage in whatever we want to do and how we want to do it. Uh, uh, the old self has been changed, but the process of being renewed, uh, becoming like Christ, it is a daily process. 
It's a daily process. Let me say it again one more time for the Holy Ghost. It is a daily process. And, and how does this happen? Let me, if I could, give you two, maybe three things of how, of how, we, of how this daily process takes place. Okay. First of all, be involved in activities that renew your mind. Read the word of God. Get the word of God in you. Listen to uh, uplifting music. Okay. Um, listen to um, hymns and, and spirituals and, and, and gospel music that has impact on your mind, all right? Be intentional to do things the way that God wants it done and not the way that the culture wants it done, okay? And then study and apply God's word so it changes your behavior from the inside out. All right. Okay. Now, I know. I know. Somebody is saying, oh, I wasn't coming to look for this type of lesson. Well, guess what? This is where we are. <laughs> and and one of the, the 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 things as far as our teaching is concerned is that um if you're going to change the dynamics of your relationships and if you're going to change the dynamics of how you live your life and if you're going to change the dynamics of how you handle your money and how you do, guess what? It all begins with you being a new person in Christ. All right. Let me go ahead and bring this home. This new self, as far as being a believer, we are a new creature in Christ. We have a new orientation to life. We have a right relationship with God that ought to produce right behavior, which ought to cause us not to like sin, which ought to cause us want to be in service to our God. You can't fake this. The new self is not a split in your personality. It is you striving to walk in a new direction away from the old self and toward God and God's will. I close on this comment and, and I'll call it a day. Holiness, being a disciple of Jesus, becoming Christ-like, we will always be in a condition of being changed. Here it is. We will always be in a condition of improving. We will always be engaging in continuous quality control. Here's what I want to drive home, that, that in this life, we're always becoming. In other words, 
we don't reach that place of, of moral perfection because some of us, we still have thoughts, still say some words, we may do some things, even with our saved selves that does not please God, which is why we have to continue to pray for forgiveness, continue to repent and continue to become. However, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we cannot allow for our, quote, weaknesses or our issues to become an excuse for us behaving the way that we behave. Yep, I'm doing some good teaching. We cannot allow for our addictions and afflictions to justify behavior that is not godly. Okay, we cannot allow uh, for it to be said, well, you know, they made me do so-and-so, so-and-so, and that's why I behaved the way that I did. Because basically we should not be governed by our own spirit, but by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this is a tough teaching. Um, uh, but this is required because we can never be satisfied with where we are. We're always in the process of becoming. Well, I'm going to end the lesson right there. We will pick up next week on part two, starting at verse 25. We, we will pick up on, on part two, starting at verse 25 next week. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to unpack this as we talk about the behaviors, the, the things that we do. Well, listen, um, at this moment, um, I want to encourage you that if you feel led to give, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, uh, even at this moment, you can uh, be a blessing as far as Bible study is concerned. You can uh, give by mailing a check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205, or you can drop off check cash money order at the church. Just call the church office at 704-334-5309 between nine and five. Make sure somebody is in the office to receive your offering and put it in the safe. You can also give through our website, ACS Church Life, and you can give through the app called Givelify. However you feel led to give, you can do that. You're sowing in the great ground because we're doing the work uh, that the Lord will have for us to do uh, to be a blessing to our community, uh, enlighten and enhance the culture for the sake of Jesus the Christ. Well, um, this Sunday, just want to remind you, uh, you'll be getting a notice as far as what's sent out this Sunday. My good friend, the Reverend Dr. Steve Blunt, will be uh, sharing with us uh, in uh, worship. Uh, he is a preacher par excellence. Also on this week, we're continuing our uh, giving project as far as Liberia is concerned. Uh, so uh, this week, you're asked to bring undergarments, undergarments for boys and girls from the ages of 2 to 12, uh, socks for children, socks for adults, washcloths. Uh, so let's focus on the undergarments. Uh, so go to 
uh, Walmart or Target, uh, get undergarments uh, in bulk, uh, socks and things of that sort for our brothers and sisters in Liberia who definitely can be blessed by our generosity. Well, listen, God bless you. Have a smile upon you. Um, uh, may God give you the peace that goes beyond all understanding. And um, Lord said the same, I shall see you all on Sunday, either in physical space or virtually. God bless.